the same song, they talk about God as a lamb. But what does that really mean? These ideas actually come from the Bible. But how do they work? How is God like a fire? Or a light? Or the wind? What if we can understand who God is through... Yo, what's up, everybody? Come on, welcome to Luminous. Man, we're glad you made it this morning. It's good to see your face. It's good to be in this place. Great job, Aisa. Aisa Galloway. Come on, everybody. Aisa. <laughs> you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 49. Genesis chapter 49 is where we're going to be this morning. We're actually going to be in several different places because... As we are exploring metaphors that are in the Bible and we're looking at different metaphors, then as we do that, we're constantly going to have to thumb, thumb through several different verses to, to truly understand how this metaphor applies to God and applies to us in our lives. How many of you came to get a word from God this morning? Come on. Man, I, I love this group. I love this. Our projector was down a little earlier. I was like, man, we don't even need to project. Turn on the lights. Big, small group. Let's go. Uh, we're, we're, if you didn't know, we love, we love life groups here. We love discipleship groups. We love to not just sit in rows, but to sit in circles around houses and in coffee shops, teaching each other how to follow Jesus. How I many you know this is great? There's an impartation that God's going to give you today that I believe is going to be applicable for your life. But if you were to hear it and then leave it, then there would not be truly any life transformation in your life, nor the life of people around you. So we need to take what we, what we hear and, and, and dive into it and to other people. And, and plus, you probably preach better anyway to your friends than I could preach to them. So, so go, be, be the hands and feet of Jesus, the mouthpiece. It says this in Romans, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Beautiful feet going and sharing the gospel. You guys have beautiful feet. And I know that some of you are like, man, I got stinky feet right now. You, you may, but we, we've just been in the holy of holies in God's presence. And I believe that as we step into the holiness of God, we find ourselves walking into this new anointing or this new mantle and walking into his very presence. And out of this place is going to be so sweet what God does. We're going to look at metaphors over the next several weeks. We, all sorts of metaphors throughout the Bible. And today we're going to talk about the lion. Everybody say lion. lion. Do your best roar. Okay, man, <laughs> yeah, I didn't know who we had today. I didn't know, I didn't know if anybody would be so bold to do that. We're going to talk about lion, and as we talk about lion, there's something interesting about this particular metaphor is we sing songs about lion, we talk about God being the lion, but it's actually not mentioned that often as a metaphor for God. We only really find it in one distinct place that he is a lion. There's some attributes of some lion, lion-esque attributes that he has, but referring to him as lion, we really only see it in one spot. And yet, lion is everywhere. Every time I see a lion, I think of God. I think about the lion of Judah. I think about who he is. So, so to set up Genesis chapter 49 for us, you have Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons. 12 sons. That's a lot of babies. It's a lot of boys. That's a lot of testosterone. There's 12 sons, and Jacob's coming to the very end of his life, and, and he's 
looking at his sons and he's about to prophesy over them, which just means he's going to speak encouragement over them and also reveal to some things about who they will be, how they will live and the generational legacy that they'll leave here on earth. And in Genesis 49, 8 through 12, we see Jacob talking to Judah and it says this in verse eight. Judah, your brothers shall praise you. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's son shall bow down before you. Judah is a lion's cub. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He stooped down. He crouched as a lion, as a lioness. Who dares rouse him? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until tribute comes to him. And to him shall be the obedience of the peoples, binding his foal to the vine and his donkey's colt to the choice vine. He has washed his garments in wine and his vesture in the blood of grapes. His eyes are darker than wine and his teeth whiter than milk. So we have this prophecy spoken over Judah, and it's a prophecy that is very important for you and me today. It's important for us who came to be in this place because we get to be a part of this great prophecy. And I want to talk about Judah. I want to talk about who he is. Judah, his very name means to praise. To praise God is his very name. It's, it's who he is. He's one that is to praise God. And this name is also prophetic in nature as he goes out and he praises wherever he goes. That as Judah goes, there's a roar that comes out of Judah into other nations, into other battles, into other people. And God begins to declare his praise through Judah. The first thing that if you're taking notes, I want you to write down the roar. Everybody say the roar. Oh, that was powerful. The roar. When we see a lion, we think about the roar. I think about a lion, I remember seeing a lion roar for the first time there at the animal snake farm there on I-35. Shameless plug, but, but there's lions in the cage there, and, and when you hear a lion roar, it commands something, doesn't it? Have you ever heard a lion roar? Uh, just in Lion King. Okay, turn it up to volume 100 and you'll get close. But, but when a lion roars, it commands this, this very presence of attention. When a lion roars, it, it declares that he truly is the king of the jungle. And Judah's roar was going to be great. He was going to be great. That his roar was going to move and it was going to change the circumstance and change situations. As we see that the roar of Judah comes out in this praise, there's Praise for different things, and one thing that we see praise in our lives is praise in our circumstances. That as Judah roars, it sets this platform that as the lion roars, the lion of Judah, and he starts declaring and proclaiming, it starts setting a precedence for our life and our circumstances that we need to praise even though there's rough situations, even though there's rough circumstances. You see, Judah... He was the fourth child born to Leah. And Leah was the one who, who tried to have three kids for Jacob. She tried to have three kids for him and tried to have an heir and, and tried to, uh, to make please her husband and tried to be loved and tried to do these things. And when the fourth child came, 
When the fourth child came about, it was Judah. And she says, this time in Genesis 29, 35, I will praise the Lord. The fourth time when she gave up on her circumstance and her striving and all these different things, she ended up saying, this time I will praise the Lord. This time that my son who's born is going to be Judah, which means praise. In our circumstance, and we all have difficult circumstances, don't we? We've all strived and tried to please other people. We, we've strived to please maybe our parents, maybe your coworkers, maybe your friends. Am I the only people pleaser in the room? I, I feel like I'm constantly trying and striving to please everybody around me. And I make it more about me and my reaction versus about God and who he is. But we are called to praise God in our circumstance. This is what God's called us to do. He's also called us to praise in the battle. Praise in the battle. If you know anything about Judah, he was, he was given his name praise in his circumstantial birth. And, and his mother gives praise to God for it. But there's a moment where, where he's supposed to praise in the battle. Judah is the first one into the battles of God to take the promised land. He's the first one that God is sending him first. He's sending him out there. And, and it's this praise going out and beforehand. Did anybody grow up watching WWE, WWF? Maybe, you know, some Mexican wrestling? I don't know. We did some Spanish songs today. That was exciting. I grew up watching WWF, Hulk Hogan. I mean, I was all about Hulk Hogan. And my favorite part of wrestling, right, was when they're in the ring and they go, let's get ready to rumble. So my brothers and I, we would do that in the living room. And we'd say, let's get ready to rumble. And that meant the fight was about to happen. And we would go crazy. But isn't it fascinating that Christians today oftentimes Instead of rumbling, instead of going into the battle, instead of going in this place of fighting um, with God and, and praising him in our circumstance, we mumble versus rumble. Isn't that true? We're just mumbling, complaining about our circumstance, about our situation, about the season we're in, about our workplace. We just sit there and, and mumble and mumble. And when you mumble, you can't praise. When you complain, it's impossible to praise. But as we're praising and as we're going, God is moving and the battle is happening. James 4, 7. Let's go to some New Testament. So, so we're in the first book, Genesis, and now we're going all the way to James, which is a letter to the people of God. And in James 4, 7, it says this. Submit yourselves, therefore, to, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You've heard this before. How many know that the enemy comes, and he tries to take on a lion as well? It says he comes, and he prowls like a lion looking for somebody to devour. And here James says, resist the devil. If you want to resist the devil, you need a praise. Your weapon to resist the devil is to praise in your situation and in your circumstances. To give God glory for who he is. To know that he is the one who's in control. He's the one who can come over your situation. We also need to praise at all times. Everybody say all times. Psalm 34, 1 through 3 says this. 
I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. That this is a great psalm on how to praise. I want to teach you something. We talk about experiences of God in this place. We all want you to have an experience with Jesus. Because if you experience Jesus, you'll be transformed by him. What is it to follow Jesus but never experience him? What would that be like? That, that would be very frustrating, wouldn't it? So we've been creating different experiences and moving us into places. Last week, you may remember, we did a prayer where we experienced Jesus for ourselves. We, we took a minute at the end of service to hear from God. And all of us wrote down different things, wrote down different moments that Jesus spoke to us. Some of those were shared up here, and some of those I heard about this week. Another experience that we need is we need to not just hear God for ourselves, but we need to talk to God. There's an experience of actually talking to God. Everybody say, talk to God. We all need to talk to God. And if you want to learn how to talk to God, you want to learn how to communicate with him, turn to Psalms. Turn to this book of all these songs and start praying these back to them. Psalm 34, 1 through 3. Will you put that back up, Akira? It says this, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I want you to close your eyes real quickly. Would you do that for me? If you feel comfortable closing your eyes. And I want you to pray this. I want you to talk to God. I want you to pray this and repeat after me. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise, your praise, shall continually be in my mouth. I will bless the Lord. I will bless you, God. I will bless you when I'm weak. I will bless you when I'm strong. I'll bless you in my house. I'll bless you when I'm out. I will praise you, Jesus. Your name will continually be in my lips. Your name will continually be on my mind. In Jesus' name, everybody say amen. Come on, man, give yourself a hand. Come on, isn't that awesome? To talk to God, to practice this, to move into a place of praising, move into a place of declaring, to experience Jesus. Yes, I hear from you, but I'm going to talk to you. The best way to talk to God is talk his perfect word back to his perfect um, being, his perfect essence. Praises throughout the Bible. You realize that Judah, here he is, praise be to God, this is his name, and through him, the lion will come through his line, through his bloodline. There will be a lion. There will be the scepter. The rule will happen in his bloodline. And all this will happen. And his name, Judah, will mean praise, that I will praise God. If you look through the scripture, the Hebrew words for praise are all over the place. There's seven words for praise. And I'm not going to try to pronounce them today. But I'm going to give you some descriptions. The first one is the heart of humility. That praise is a heart of humility, a posture of humility. You see, when you praise God, it means that I'm less and he's more. This is what praise does. It, 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 it diminishes myself and elevates his worth. No, I don't have low self-esteem. I'm just low in his presence because when I'm low in his presence, he can speak something to me. 
The second word we see is this is a heart of thanksgiving. Everybody say, Thanksgiving? Give us some turkey. Where's the turkey? Does anybody know where the turkey is? They're out of turkey. Go buy your turkey. I heard that. Praise acknowledges God's character and his mighty works. The heart of thanksgiving, a heart of gratitude. There's two Hebrew words that talk about the heart of gratitude, the heart of thankfulness. Do you realize that praise is powerful when you're thanking God for what he has given you, what is around you, for what you have instead of cursing him for what you don't have? The third thing, praise declares both to God and to others his renowned fame and glory. You realize when we're praising God, it's making God famous to other people around us. How many of you have a hard time being an evangelist? You know, you have a hard time sharing your faith. You have a hard time telling people about Jesus at work. Having a hard time telling your family members about Jesus and who he is and what he's done for you. One of the first steps into evangelism is just give him praise for what he's done in your life. Because as you give him praise, it starts overflowing into the people around you. I can't tell you how many times Brandy and I, we're about to go on a mission trip. Our given links on our bio. Okay, shameless. That's, that's wrong. I shouldn't do that. Okay, we're about to go on a mission trip. And, and when, when Brandy writes a letter of what God did on the mission field and give God glory and give him praise, do you know what it does to her family members? It opens them up to God conversations. And how many of you know it's easier to share your faith in a God conversation than it is just to start a God conversation? Have you ever tried to start a God conversation and didn't go well? It's awkward. You're like, so uh, about church the other day, my pastor has a mustache. And it's awkward for everyone. <laughs> praise is at times loud and boisterous and celebrative. There's two Hebrew words that praise is often loud and it's celebrative, meaning that we're celebrating God in the moment. It's loud. When the praise team comes up, they used to call them the praise team, you know, because that they went forth. They started battling for the service. They started coming out and praising and declaring that God was going to be glorified in this place. And when they say, give God a clap, and you got two people clapping, I mean, come on. Is that praise or is that just doing something that you don't feel like doing? But when everybody shouts, when everybody screams, when it's when you have this, when it's boisterous, this is what the Hebrew words mean. That praise is loud. It's boisterous. They're excited for their God. They're excited what they've done. It's amazing. I know that even the the most Enneagram nine person in the room and the, the mousiest voice, the quietest voice in the room, even them, when they get a present, they go, oh, you know, maybe you need to do a ooh for God, you know? I'm just saying, whatever you have in you, the most that you give for something else, give God greater. Start praising him more. The next thing in addition, and this is the last thing, praises often voice through singing and music. That we see that when praise is done, it's done through singing and music. So when we come up here, we aren't just listening, but we're joining in the praise. How many of you want to join in the praise? Come on. I heard you. I heard you back there. The second thing is uh, the, <clears throat> that, that when we see the lion, we see courage. When we see the lion, we see courage. Judges 1-2 says this, after the death of Joshua. So Judges a little later down the road, it says this in the Bible. It says, after the death of Joshua, the people of Israel inquired of the Lord, who shall go up first for us against the Canaanites to fight against them? And the Lord said, 
Judah shall go up. Behold, I have given the land into his hand. You see, Judah, as he's prophesied over, that the lion, the lion was going to come from him. The scepter was going to be in his bloodline, and he was going to rule. And we read about this lion, of, of the, the lion of Judah, and we read about him. We see how Judah was wired. Judah was courageous. He was courageous. He went first in the battle. This is what separated him. There was courage to go first. Our sound man said that Jesus was a risk taker. He was a risk taker. He went first. This is what happens. Courage goes first. Courage goes first. Y'all saw my zip line, my infamous zip line in my backyard. When I first built that thing, my kids and I were looking at each other and go, well, who's going to go first? (laughs) Because... You know, I don't know if it's gonna. I don't know if it's gonna hold you. Who's gonna go first? And you know what? Somebody stepped up. I'm not gonna mention who. And they said, "I will go first. I will go first. And I said, "No, I can't let you die. I'll go first." Courage goes first. This is important for us. And as we're looking at God and looking at this image and we're looking at the line, there's this courage in this family line. There's this courage in the tribe of Judah. There's this courage that's coming out of them. Courage also speaks up. Everybody says, speak up. Amos 3.8. The lion has roared. Who will not fear? The Lord has spoken. Who can but prophesy? Amos 3.8, we get another picture. We, we get a picture of lion in Genesis uh, attributed to Judah coming from that lineage. And then we get this glimpse into Amos of a lion and a lion roaring, a roar from a lion speaking, speaking up. I told you earlier that a roar is loud. Everybody roar. Oh, but better, better. Thank you, Jackie. Uh, A lion roars. A lion roars. And and this is what happens. A lion speaks up. And God's saying that the prophets will need to roar in the land. Uh, The prophets will need to speak up. The prophets need to speak out. The prophets need to say um, that we need to be the voice of the God in the land. I want to tell you, church, that all of you are supposed to prophesy. All of you. Paul says it, I, I hope that the whole church prophesies. I hope that everyone would prophesy because when you prophesy, you speak God's heart for God's situations. When you, when you prophetically utter words, I know this word is so foreign to our context. Let me just say this, is that, that you are declaring what you read in Scripture to other people. You are declaring to your sons and daughters God's heart for them. You are declaring to your co-workers God's heart for the break room. God's heart for the small business that you're starting. You're starting to declare it. You're starting to speak it. You're speaking life and you're speaking hope and you're speaking faith. This is what's speaking and speaking for what is right. And here we have on Tuesday, every two years, we get to be a part of a democracy. We get to be a part of a republic, and we get to um, display, right, and vote. And I want to encourage you that if you're voting, speak for God and his heart in those situations. Does that make sense? I'm not telling you how to vote or what to vote or, or why to vote. I'm telling you what to vote. 
Vote for what God has put on your heart or what he's placed in you. And every time you go to a voting poll and a booth, you pray, Jesus, who looks like you? Who acts like you? What's their policies? What's, what are they about? What does it look like? Let me align myself with that. Let me align myself with you. Every day, to be honest, we're voting, aren't we? We're voting what friendship circles we're going to be around. We're voting how we're going to display our life in every situation that presents itself. We're voting. We're declaring. We're saying, am I for God or against God? How's your life been voting this week? Who have you been representing in your circle, in your sphere? The third thing that we see is the sovereignty. When we see the lion, we see sovereignty. We see that God is king, that he's in control. We see this display. In fact, the description of a lion is all about the authority of the animal kingdom that he is in dominance, the lion, or she, I guess, lioness. They're in dominance. They're in dominance. They're in control. This is what God's saying. I'm in control. People are afraid of lions. Look at Proverbs. Proverbs has four verses that I read this week. Proverbs 30, 30, the lion, which is mightiest among beasts and does not turn back before any. Doesn't turn back, has no predator, isn't scared of nobody. That was a double negative, Chantal. I shouldn't do that. Proverbs 22, 13, the sluggard says, there is a lion outside. I shall be killed in the streets. The lions are so ravenous that they're so large that they can devour so many that the slugger says, well, I guess I shouldn't work because there's lions out there. Proverbs 28, 1 says, the wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous, they're as bold as a lion, equating righteousness with a lion, that the boldness of them are the same. Proverbs 22 the terror of a king is like the growling of a lion. Whoever provokes him to anger forfeits his life. How many know a lion is scary? It rules the jungle. It rules the animal kingdom. And I want to tell you that God rules. When we see lion, we should see his rule. When we see lion, we should see that Judah was prophesied over, that there would be a lion from there, and from there that they would have a scepter, and there would be this rule, and there would be this moment. And the lion is very scary. As you read in the Lion, Witch, and Wardrobe, we see Susan say, Aslan is a lion as she's hearing about Aslan. The lion, the great lion. Oh, said Susan, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. That's what's amazing about God is in this picture of the lion in the Chronicles of Narnia. You have this moment where the lion rules and he's good. He's a good God who rules a great kingdom. And he rules rightly. In Proverbs 49.10, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, 
nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until tribute comes to him. And to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. The scepter, the rule will come from him. The lion is one who means that he's going to rule. And in Revelation 5, 4 through 5, we see John writing at the end of his life there on an island. And he's getting a vision and he's writing down what he's seeing. And in verse 4, he says, he began to weep loudly. Because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or look into it. There was a man, there was God. He, was, he had the scrolls and no one was able to look into the scrolls. And one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. That the lion of Judah prophesied in the beginning of the Bible, the beginning of the book, was going to come through the line of Judah and then into the line of David. And then we see the genealogy from David. We have Joseph, and from Joseph, we have Jesus. And Jesus is the one who conquered the grave. Jesus is the one who took our penalty upon the cross. Jesus is the one, in the very last day, the Lion of Judah. The one who rules. The one who is. The one who's worthy. To hold this book of life and everybody in it, the one who's worthy. So when we see the metaphor of lion, we see this. We see one who, one who came about through praise. Came about through praise, fighting these battles over and over and over again. We see that he was the one with courage. When we see a lion, we see that he's sovereign and he's in control and he's worthy to open the scrolls. So what shall we do with this? Well, we should praise this week when we don't feel like praising. That's what you should do. When there's a moment that happens, when there's news that comes your way, we should praise the one who is worthy. We should praise this week. The second thing we should do is we should have courage. Courage to vote God's heart and not our feelings. Courage to vote God's heart, his, his character, his attributes instead of our feelings. How many of you want to vote your feelings? I want to vote my feelings for lunch today. I do. Like I want to eat the chip and salsa bar at Taco Palenque over and over and over again. Anybody else? I want to vote my feelings, but... I pray that my soul would be in check with what God wants me to do and how he wants me to go. And the third thing we need to do is we need to recognize that this lion, the lion of Judah that was promised, who is ruling in heaven, who's worthy, the only one worthy to open the scrolls and hold the book of life, the only one who could give forgiveness of sins, the only one who could give you a second chance and a third chance. The only one who, who, who looks at your wrongs and made them right, not with an eraser, but with blood. Who paid the price for you. This week we should bow our knee to him. 
I encourage you to find a place this week and bow your knee. A literal posture. A literal posture. Saying you're worthy, Jesus. You're king. I want to pray for you. If you would, bow your head and close your eyes this morning. Father, we thank you for these metaphors. God, we thank you for the lion. The lion. The lion of Judah, the one who was prophesied, the one who came, the one who paid the price, and the one who rules. Jesus, I pray that our hearts would be in alignment with the lion of Judah. With the one who is there, the one who is, has the scepter, Lord, I pray in every way that we would bow our knee and say it's your way and not our way. Jesus, let us be a people who realize, God, the fight, the fight that we're in is a battle that you have won. And so we're praising you in the battle versus mumbling, versus looking at our inner self and our inner situation and say, Lord, this may be my current state, but I want to walk where you've called me to walk. And I want to praise you for every measure that I'm going through right now. And so, Lord, I just pray for anybody in this room, anybody who's having difficulty, hardship, body ache. Lord Jesus, anybody who's dealing with struggle and difficulty with financially, with their marriage perhaps, I declare, Jesus, that you would come and that you would put praise in the middle of their situation. I pray praise would be a moment where they're fighting the vi for victory. Praise would be a moment where they're resting in you. Praise would be a moment where they're seeing you and not their current situation. For you are more than enough. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Amen. What a word. I'm so excited for the start of our sermon series, Metaphors. Wasn't that a good word? Wasn't that a good word? I'm so thankful for Pastor Ben and the message that he shared. We do have a couple of announcements with you for, that we have for you.